Welcome to Hope for the Heart. I thank you today for joining us as we get into the book of Revelation. We're continuing this study, and it has proven to be quite the study, I'm telling you. So if you've been following us, you know that we're in Revelation chapter 12, and so that is the context that I want to give you today as we begin this study. Uh, I'll be reading from Revelation chapter 12, verses 6 through 9. So the reading of God's Word is simply this. Beginning in verse 6, the Word of God reads, And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God, so that she might be nourished for 1,260 days. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war. And there was, they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world and the earth, and angels were thrown down with him. So, this is a, a very complex situation. I know it's only just a few verses, uh, the whole chapter, uh, 17 verses, uh, but it is so sweeping in its content. Uh, for example, we've looked at it, we've looked at it already. It goes all the way back to the fall of, of Lucifer in heaven, all the way to the future time when Satan will be uh, will no longer be a threat and will be cast into the the lake of fire after the tribulation period. But it embraces, in fact, all of human history. It's sweeping in its content. It, and though it does not give us a really a great detail, it gives us enough information to where we can hopefully understand just a little bit more about the tribulation period and how much bigger it probably is than just judgments coming one right after another, which that's the way Tim, so many people tend to read it. So with this text being read... And, and the, the message itself today is war in the heavens. And that is, I read it like that because that's the intent. It's a question for the title today. War in the heavens, question mark. Well, the answer to that is yes, there is. In fact, we have been looking at this. But I want you to let, let you know right off the bat, with it, uh, let you have a question. I want to give you a question. Uh, my mind's actually racing as far as yeah, so much I want to say today, and I always have so little time. Satan has never been to hell. That's what I want you to hear. Did you know that at the present time, Satan is not in hell? In fact, it seems like the more people I talk to, uh, even a few this week, they tend to think that that's where Satan actually is, and that's where his major operation is working from, is, 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 is hell. And in fact, did you know that he's never even been to hell? Did you know that when he finally gets to hell, he's not going to be in charge? And I know people think, but a lot of people think he's in hell today and he's ruling hell. Well, he's not. Uh, Satan will never be in charge. And when he gets there, it is an eternal punishment for him. He won't be glad he's there. He's fighting, if he's fighting God at this time, hoping to destroy and to do as much damage as he can uh, before he, he knows what his pending doom is. He knows this. He know that he will be sent to hell. And uh, he can read the Bible just like we do. But Satan has his devices, he has his schemes, his plans. And they all have the basic same intent. To defeat God, to destroy his plan, wipe out his people one way or another. And one of the things that he does in this uh, ongoing slaughter against God is he carries them out in heaven. He's, is to accuse the brethren. He is the accuser of the brethren because we love God. We choose to worship God. And so we are 
being attacked constantly from heaven with Satan accusing uh, before standing before God and accusing the brethren before him. Uh, having the ear of God, as it were, with an un- and speaking about the unworthiness of believers. Imagine having someone standing up and telling God why you just did certain things or why you're acting this way and that uh, reminding God of your sin and your failure and telling God he ought to just let you be uh, punished for that, go to hell for that. He ought to just uh, let, let punishment rain on you because you're not worthy of it. Well, that's what Satan does. There is a certain kind of hypocrisy in all of that, uh, appealing to a righteous God while he himself only seeks to do what is unrighteous. Uh, he wants to capture uh, us for his own dominion of darkness in his own domain. And more than that, he wants to show that he can destroy salvation and that he can break through these penalties that God's and these limitations and work through that, even though God has him confined to certain powers. But Satan, again, I'll remind you, is not sovereign. God is sovereign. And this war that is being waged is a very, very interesting war. In fact, this, this passage of Scripture uh, really just it brings out so much of this. And I have to be careful here because I can go in so many different directions and take these directions as far as I would like to take them. And it would take you pretty much all the way through the Bible. So you, you, you can't always just do that. So I have to pick and choose what I can uh, say and what I can teach on. But Satan and his demons, over whom he rules in his kingdom, are waging an ongoing and incessant war with Michael and the holy angels. We've seen this throughout different parts of the scripture. Satan has been identified as the prince of the power of air, of the air. He's also the god of this world. So the theater of his operations descends from the air, the heavens, where there is a warfare with Michael and his holy angels, and it covers even right down to the earth where Satan and his demons are engaged in controlling world systems and religions and governments. And I know that it's hard to see all of this, and we, we definitely can't see it, and we definitely can't understand it. But Satan's plans are, are rather simple. He wants to eliminate anybody who works for the purposes of God. Whether they be Jew or believer, if he could, he would kill us all. Better yet, he would destroy our faith if that were possible. He would bring us down and uh, and have us... Uh, he's always launching torpedoes towards our testimony and to char our character. If it were possible, he would wipe us out. He also wants to bring uh, about... Uh, world rulership under the power of himself and and to reign in, in evil among this earth. He wants to prevent Christ from coming back and establishing his kingdom. Uh, he wants to control the hearts of men and uh, in, in causing us to not look to God, not trust God, not believe in him. So he has worked ever since his fall to to change and to bring about a, a failure in the purposes of God. And he's not been successful at that. But he's not going to give up. He's relentless. He is not going to give up. Uh, this battle, which continually goes on, it goes on on a supernatural level between angels, uh, good angels and, and bad angels. It goes on between the archangel, uh, Michael, and, 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 and Satan himself. And it is 
It, it, it is on a level, a moral level, an ideological level, a theological level, philosophical level. All of these conceivable levels of the human and supernatural or superhuman realm. The whole war is going to reach a great climax in the future during the time of the tribulation. And that's what this passage speaks of today. And I want to look at that. Number one on this outline that I'm going to give you is... Uh, Israel's protection. Israel's protection, I want you to see it in verse 6. Israel, remember, we have defined here as this woman, this is the sign that he sees in verse 1, a, a sign appeared in heaven, a woman, and this woman is Israel. So we have not going to use the, the, the symbol of the woman, we're going to use Israel herself, because that's what the symbol means. The woman, and this is Israel, fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared for her. Now, quite simply, this is a place prepared for her ahead of time because God knows God is sovereign. He reigns. He knows exactly what he's doing with the nation of Israel. He's working towards the accomplishment of what has been presented in Romans by Paul. All of Israel shall be saved. And here we are in the tribulation period and he has a place prepared because she's going to need it. She, meaning the woman, she being the woman who is Israel, will need that place of protection. Now, we're not told where that place is, but we are told here the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place. So it's, a, it's not just the wilderness. It is a place in the wilderness that God already has Picked out. Some people think they know where it is, and I understand from people who have been there that they've taken Bibles and they've stored them in these places so that when the Jews get there, they will have copies of God's Word. I do not know that to be fact, and I do not know where it is, but some people think they do know where it is, and that's fine because I'm not going to plan on being there. So number one on the outline is Israel's protection. And God is protecting Israel and will protect Israel, especially the remnant that is going to be saved just before the return of Christ. So number one is that there's a picture here of verse 6, Israel's protection. And then number two, I want you to see Israel's provisions. God not only protects from pending damage or danger, that is coming. In fact, notice there that it doesn't say what the real danger is, but that's coming. So Israel's uh, provision here is, and look at what it says, that she might be nourished for 1,260 days. This is the time frame. She will be nourished. God's going to take care of Israel. Even though she's having to flee, and you get the picture here, that it is a rapid thing because of verse uh, six, the very first part, and Israel, or the woman, fled. And that means to leave and to part quickly. Matthew 24 talks about this, as we, we have looked at that, and so does uh, Daniel chapter 9 mentions it. So it's a time coming in which God is going to pour out judgment on the world, and during this time, other things are happening through the Antichrist and Satan that is going to cause Israel to flee. Well, we're going to look at that. A little bit later, and I think it's partially or mostly the abomination of desolation from the temple. And that's the Antichrist steps in, and we can see that in Second Thessalonians. We see that in Daniel. We see that in Matthew chapter 24. And so it becomes a very interesting 
dynamic to look at. But here we're looking at the provision. God is going to provide nourishment here uh, for the nation of Israel who's had to flee for their life. They had to flee. In fact, Matthew says, leave everything. Go. Just run. Uh, If you're on the housetop, come down. Pray that your flight not be in the winter. Uh, In fact, there's all kinds of passages that talk about this. And so this is a picture of that happening. But notice the time frame that she might be nourished for 1,260 days. And I think at the very end of that will be the repentance of, the, the, of this remnant and it will be the, the coming of Christ to set up his kingdom. But she'll be taken care of during that time. All kinds of things are going to happen as far as nourishment. And here it only gives us the detail, I mean the, imp- the fact of it, which will be nourishment, protection, and and provisions. And so we're not given the exact detail here. But I want to move quickly because I want to look at number three in in, uh, in the outline. Number one, you've got Israel's uh, protection. Uh, Number two, you've got Israel's provisions. And then number three, Satan's plan. Well, Satan's plan is... Remember, now this is the dragon that he's referring to. His plan is to destroy and eliminate. So yeah, I said just a few minutes ago, he's been engaged in, in everything from uh, uh, God's trying to destroy God's people, to destroy anybody that works the purposes of God, whether they be Jews or believers. And during the time of tribulation, he is coming after the Jews in full fury. He is coming after them, and that's what this is picturing here. He's on the march using the Antichrist and a waging of, 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 of assault against them. In fact, it really gives us a lot more detail next week and the week after on exactly how he's going to do that. But if he would, he would destroy them, wipe them out. He's always been after the child in this passage, in verses 1 through 6, which is Jesus Christ himself. At that point of which he's talking about in verse 1 and 2, he was the coming Messiah to be born. Well, he was born. He couldn't stop that. He couldn't stop the, uh, uh, he couldn't destroy Christ. So now he's going after the nation of Israel. And boy, he's coming in full fury. So his plan is the attack. His plan is to come after them and to kill them. And he's actually, you get the picture here, that the Antichrist and his armies are chasing him. Uh, but here, here's the thing, uh, and we're, we're going to see this, is that Satan can't outrun this. He can't get ahead of God and be victorious in this. Satan is going to lose the battle. In fact, that's what we read in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. The kingdom of this world, which is controlled by Satan, has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. That's Revelation 11, verse 15. And so this is before that, obviously. And so this is happening. And so we are meeting these things head on in this passage. But I want to move rather quickly to number four on the outline. Number one is Israel's protection. God is protecting Israel, always has, always has been protecting Israel. And then we saw number two, Israel's provision. God is providing for them, nourishing them, keeping them not just safe, but fed and nourished. And then number three, Satan's plan has always been to come after them, destroy them, damage them in any way he can. 
but he cannot get them. So, number four on the outline is Satan's penalty. Now, this brings us to verse 7. And this is, I want to talk about this and get as much of this done, uh, covered as possible. Because this is, uh, folks, this is exciting. In fact, it's uh, all of this is so exciting. I've been looking at so many things this week. And I've been so involved in other issues that I don't really want to bring to the air, but uh, uh, things that in my own personal life that are going on. But also that the world right now is just hot with signs and things happening towards prophecy. It's it's so hot and raging that you can't even keep up with it. Uh, Whether it be you're looking at Israel or whether you're looking at the Arab coalition of nations, nations that are all just in a fury or whether it's Turkey or whether it's uh, Russia and Ukraine or whether it's the European common market or the, 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 just the world itself and the, and the, the, uh, America itself just going down deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, it's just no wonder that people are excited about prophecy in the sense that we're seeing God's word live, being lived out right in front of us. Now, this that I'm talking about is being lived out and it's happening behind the scenes and you can't see it because it's on a supernatural, invisible level. And yet it's there. It's there and it's very powerful. So I want you to read verse 7 with me of Revelation chapter 12. And this is number 4 on the outline, Satan's penalty. Satan's penalty is this. Look at number 7, verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, who is Satan himself, and the dragon and his angels, which are demons, waged war. Now, this is war in heaven. Michael and his angels are waging war, and this is, uh, I don't think that this actually, I mean, they've always been engaged in battles. We, we know that, and I'll even bring up a few of them in just a minute. But what causes this conflict is hard to say, but I'm going to present a couple of things that are very interesting at best. Now, we know there's always been war between holy angels and demons and the fallen ones, but what triggers this one? Uh, There's very little interesting Greek thing that goes on here. And this war in heaven, Michael and his angels, literally, I think, is indicative of the the language (coughs) that we might see, is telling us that Michael and his angels have to fight. They have to fight here. Uh, they were they were drawn into this battle. In other words, they are compelled to fight. You don't see that in just a general English reading here, but I do believe, uh, as uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse brings out and 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 uh, several others have brought out, I do think that the the way the Greek reads here is the conclusion that Satan starts this thing. He starts this battle, and he's in he's interfering in some way. Something that triggers a response from Michael and his angels literally drag them into a battle here. And that's what I think verse 7 is saying here. The dragon and his angels, they're all fighting. Now there's a number of things, and I want to present this to you. And if I can't finish it, I just can't finish it. I'll just have to pick it up next week. But there's a number of things that might cause them to fight. And number one on the list that, that I think could cause them to fight and you, you may laugh at this, but I think it's the rapture of the church. You say, what? 
the rapture of the church, and that's exactly what I mean to say. We've been following through Revelation, and we know from our studies of 1 Thessalonians, we know from our studies of things in, in related to end times, that concluding the rapture of the church takes place after the rapture happens. In other words, you have a seven-year tribulation, which actually is the 70th week of Daniel that we've seen, and we, we see it in Daniel chapter 9. Then the Lord uh, snatches away the church, uh, I mean, the Lord snatches away the church, which is the rapture, and then begins to pour out his judgment on the earth, known as the tribulation period. So, now follow this. They're in heaven. The church is in heaven at this point. That's not now because it hasn't happened yet. More people are going to be converted to Christ, a new assembly of believers is called together. We've been looking at this in Revelation. But uniquely, the church is already gone. And could it be, as Jesus raptures his church to take them to heaven, and I'm going to try to explain some of this, so don't panic when I say it. Could it be that when Christ raptures his church to take them to heaven, according to 1 Thessalonians, where we're called up, we pass through, or we pass out of this earth in the twinkling of an eye, as 1 Corinthians 15.52 says, through the domain of the air, that we are going to pass through the kingdom of darkness, could it be that Satan and his demons are aroused to hinder that trip in some way? And in some way they try to stop some of this from happening. Wow, that I think is an interesting thought. I don't know that to be sure. I cannot be dogmatic. But it does pose a possibility. In Daniel chapter 10, for example, we see some things about the powers of darkness and we see some things about some powerful angels that do interfere on a supernatural level in ways you would think they could not interfere. For example, Daniel chapter 10, we go back to verse 12 and it, it, talking to Daniel. Daniel, don't be afraid for the first day you set your heart on understanding this and humbling yourself before your God. Your words were heard and I have come in response to your words. Here's an angel. He's coming to Daniel. Why? Daniel prayed in chapter 9. He poured out his heart <clears throat> in prayer. In the first half of the chapter, God sends an immediate answer. God is in the business of answering his saints immediately. You come into chapter 12 and Daniel's praying again, mourning, and he's in very sad condition. He pleads the case of his people. And here comes this fantastic, I mean, this powerfully dressed, or remarkably dressed, uh, glowing angel. And he has the appearance that it talks about of lightning and of a flash of light, his arms and his feet, and he goes in and explains this, and he's bringing Daniel a word from God. Now listen to this. <clears throat> and Daniel, from the, he says, from the very first time, verse 12, that you set your heart to understanding and humbled yourself, your words were heard. And I've come, but look at verse 13 of that Daniel chapter 10. Of, uh, verse 10, uh, chapter 10. He, he says this, the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days, in other words, kept me from coming. Who is this? This is a demon associated with the human system of Persia. Listen, friend, you must need, or you need to know this. Human governmental systems, while government is an entirely ordained by God institution, uh, by God to control people, that the perfect place for Satan to infiltrate with his demons is the government. And here is the case of this. 
And so in the land of Persia, some demon, some higher power, some wicked demon in high places has moved into controlling influence of Persia and is here called the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And get this. He stops this amazing angel who is described in these incredible terms, a glorious, powerful angel, I'm sure, and you get the picture here. He's able to hold this angel up for 21 days. Well, how powerful is this demon? Wow. And then it says, then behold, who came? Well, Michael the archangel comes. You follow the story and you see Michael is one of the chief princes, came to help me for I have been left there with the kings of Persia. Michael is always associated with war. He's not a messenger angel. He is a warrior. He is a super angel, and I, I don't know what else to call him, but uh, he's a, that angel who got stuck, the angel who got stuck for 21 days was some kind of an angel, powerful himself. But, I mean, even his voice was like the sound of a, 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 a trumpet. His arms and his feet were glowing. He, he gives this great description. Well, that'll tell you how powerful the prince of Persia is, who is a demon, who could hold back this powerful angel sent to answer Daniel's prayer. Man. And so who comes to the rescue? Michael, the archangel, has to come to the rescue. <clears throat> and, and, and he does. And so why does he come? Because he wants to send this other angel on the way to Daniel. He comes. He is concerned about God's people, Israel of whom Daniel represents such an important matter. So over in chapter 12, Daniel, we run into Michael again. Now this time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of people, will arise, it says there. And woe is that time, for that time is at hand. That's the time of the tribulation. Down in verse 7, there's another vision. Daniel sees a man dressed in linen, and in his right hand, and his left hand towards heaven. And he goes on to describe this in verse 4, the end of the time. Uh, return of the righteousness, the time of the resurrection of life everlasting, and the time of judgment and disgrace and everlasting. I'm just reading a little bit of Daniel chapter 12. It says at the end time, at that time, the end time, the tribulation time, the judgment time, the day of the Lord time, all those are the same thing. It even mentions in verse 11 the abomination of desolation in all these days. Uh, but I want you to notice verse 1. I, I just can't give you that, just kind of let you know where I am in this. But it says in verse 1 of Daniel 12, At that time, Michael the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise. Michael is always seen as coming to the rescue of God's people. Go over to Jude 9 and you find there, particularly the end time, I think primary reference to Daniel 12 has to do with Israel, but others will be in need of help at this time who will come to faith in Christ. But in Jude 9, there's a curious situation. Michael the archangel was fighting with the devil over the body of Moses. Now, it doesn't give us a lot of interesting, uh, doesn't give us a lot of detail there, but they were fighting over the body of Moses when he had died. Now, Satan wanted that body. He wanted, uh, they were, uh, it doesn't tell us the detail. Our imagination could go wild, and we could preach sermons on, on uh, apothesizing on, on really what that they were wanting to do with this. But Michael went to battle over the body of Moses. Apparently, Michael is not equal to to Lucifer in personal power, at least not in superior. Verse 9 says, Michael dare not pronounce a judgment against Satan, but said, The Lord rebuked thee. Now this is interesting. 
He was about to engage in a battle with Satan on his own strength, as strong as he is, but he called for the Lord. Very interesting. He did not do it. So in that story, we notice something. Michael is called in Jude 9, the archangel. Do you remember what it says about the rapture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? The Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout of the archangel. That just possibly could be very interesting, couldn't it? Could it be that the archangel is Michael, and certainly it could be he is Michael the archangel and is going to be his voice in the rapture? Well, it could be. Even though we're not told that, it very well could be. Well, here's the question. <clears throat> Why would the archangel be shouting at the time of the rapture? Is it so we will hear him? I don't think so. Well, could it be that he's confronting Satan and his demons as they try to stop the rapture? Because remember now, the rapture is all going to be on a spiritual level, things happening behind the scenes that people are not going to see. In other words, I've seen pictures of the rapture. Let me just say this quickly. You see pictures where people are floating through the air. Well, that, that's not the way it's going to happen. The rapture is not going to be seen. In fact, according to 1 Corinthians 15.52, it is going to be instantaneously. We're going to be sitting here or standing here talking to someone, and the next thing you know, we're going to be in heaven. Well, how did we get there? Well, could it be we pass through the domain and the powers of darkness, and Satan tries to stop us? The angel, archangel, Michael, could be shouting at the rapture, well, could it be that he's confronting Satan and his demons as they try to stop the rapture? Well, it's possible. He is certainly going to stand up for God's people. Our, uh, uh, Michael the archangel is, according to Daniel chapter 12, at that period of time, you see in verse 1 of Daniel 12 that he is a protector and, uh, of, of God's people. <clears throat> there will be a resurrection. We don't know. Is it possible that what triggers this war in heaven is this part of the, the rapture? In other words, could it be the rapture triggers this? You say, well, what's the timing of this battle? Well, the timing of this battle in Revelation chapter 12 doesn't actually give us the time of the, when the battles, when this war and this waging war that's mentioned in verse 7 of Daniel, I mean, of Revelation 12 starts. But it does tell us <clears throat> when the result of that will be felt. And the result of that will be felt at the beginning part of verse 6. In other words, Daniel, I mean, I keep saying Daniel. Revelation 12, 7 actually is explaining Revelation 12, 6. In other words, verse 6 is being explained in 7. And I think that the rapture could start the battle. The battle continues on. Michael, it seems, is always fighting for God's people. But when you get to Revelation back here to 12, and you, you realize all this taking place in Daniel, I think that the battle could be started at the rapture. The, the battle is begun, and it's causing, this is what's drawing uh, uh, Michael and his archangel into this. They are being compelled into this battle. And you remember now, it is a very severe battle. I mean, when you have this kind of a battle and powers fighting, it's very serious. And so the results of the battle, very, very severe. It even says here, that, look at verse 8, and I'll get back to this. 
They were not strong enough. That means Satan and his angels were not strong enough, and there was no place found for them in heaven, and they're cast down. They're cast out. So they don't win. Michael and his holy angels win a very decisive battle. Now, if indeed it is the time of the rapture, or around that time, we assume it is somewhere around that time that the war breaks out. Uh, If it is triggered by the rapture, or the end result, or whatever it is, then it, it draws Satan and, and into this battle. And as a result of the battle, him and his demons are cast out. And that explains why the tribulation period is such a terrible, terrible time. Because all the demons of the universe have now hit the earth. They have no more access to heaven. In fact, we're going to see next week the result of that. But we know... <clears throat> that they probably that this battle probably does get more intense and severe sometime just before the abomination of desolation, which helps trigger that. So what an powerful possibility this could be. I'm not putting all my eggs in that basket, but I think it's very, very possible. Now, as you know, I can't continue with this because time is running out. But boy, read this, and you'll see it even gets more exciting, especially as you get down to verse 9, 10, and then especially verse 12. And so for now, this is William Rogers anticipating that you're going to be excited about this and read this and get into this and then look forward to next time when we see that Satan is about to have a nervous breakdown based on verse 12. It says this, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time left. You see, when he's cast out, he knows his time is almost up. Folks, it's a very real thing going on out there. It's a very real thing behind the scenes in spiritual dimensions that we can't understand that are making, working through nations and controlling nations and, and decisions. And it will be, all of this will be used to bring together this united confrontation uh, called Armageddon. We are working towards all of that. You can see it all right now in the evening news. Folks, stay with me. We'll continue this as uh, we'll look at this again next week. But thank you again so much for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed this presentation of A Hope for the Heart and our study of the book of Revelation. See you next time.